Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're talking about strange sounds in the stratosphere. That's correct, strange sounds in the stratosphere. Now, this story has just kind of hit the wires here today or yesterday. It's all over the internet. And I found this article from space.com. The title says, Strange sounds recorded high in Earth's atmosphere have scientists baffled. It's written by Robert Lee. It just came out yesterday. He starts off and says, A solar-powered balloon mission launched by researchers from Sandia National Laboratories carried a microphone to a region of Earth's atmosphere found around 31 miles above the planet called the stratosphere. Now, keep in mind that your average passenger jet plane is going to be traveling at, what, I don't know, 30 to 40,000 feet, so 6 to 8 miles on average, maybe a little higher, a little lower. It says, this region is relatively calm and free of storms, turbulence, and commercial air traffic, meaning the microphones in this layer of the atmosphere can eavesdrop on the sounds of our planet, both natural and human-made. Now think about that. This thing is up in the air. Goodness sakes, 31 miles up? And it's saying that it can eavesdrop on the sounds of the planet, both natural and human-made. You gotta wonder, man. I mean, how how far does your voice carry? I knew a guy one time who uh, did some skydiving, and he told me that the one of the weird things about it was that on the way down, not far above you know the landing zone, you could hear the people talking as they walked around, and it was so clear it sounded like they were in the same room with you. This is out in Colorado. If that's not true, someone can let me know. But if that is true, that is weird. You know that the voice would carry. He said, you know, like several hundred feet up into the air, just like it was across the room. You have to wonder what to, what are they listening to up there, and how much of what we're saying can they just hear by flying a balloon overhead as opposed to tapping our phones. Anyway, it says, however, the microphone in this particular study also heard strange sounds that repeat a few times per hour. Their source has yet to be identified. The sounds were recorded in the infrasound range meaning they were a frequency of 20 hertz and lower, well below the range of the human ear. This kind of reminds me of the sounds like, I think that's what uh, goes on with like, elephants and whale, where they're uh, communicating with these really like low rumbling sounds that are, that are actually below the frequency of human hearing. It's, it's, it's strange. Now, as humans, it seems like uh, we perceive so little of what's there. I, I, seen, uh, I was watching a documentary, and they were talking about uh, the human senses, you know, being your your sense of touch and sight and smell and that, that really it's not so much of a sense as it is a gateway. I think it was Bigovich that was talking about this. It's a gateway that keeps us from being overwhelmed by all of the information coming into our system. And, you know, there's some thought that maybe this is a situation with, with autistic folks that for some reason that gateway is just fully opened up and they're just getting too much information. So here this thing is, it's listening to this 20 uh, hertz sound frequency that's that's outside the range of human hearing, and it's being picked up on this research balloon. It says, quote, there are mysterious infrasound signals that occur a few times per hour on some flights, but the source of these is completely unknown, Daniel Bowman of the Sandia Laboratory said in a statement. Now, that's Sandia Laboratories. If he says they're completely unknown, yeah, I'm kind of going to take his word at it because, you know, they would think that if they had any idea, even a remote idea, they would suggest something like, well, this is a weather phenomena or this is some sort of, uh, you know, 
sound coming in from a pulsar, say, you know, a million light years away, something. But they're just saying, we have no idea where the stuff is coming from. The sensors were carried aloft by balloons that Bowman and fellow researchers built, featuring diameters between 20 and 23 feet. The balloons were built from common and inexpensive materials powered by sunlight. These deceptively simple devices were able to climb to altitudes of around 70,000 feet, or 13.3 miles, over Earth. So before they're saying 30 miles, here they're saying 13. kind of wonder if maybe we're getting two versions of the story. One, the, the version released to the public, and the other, the version that the public doesn't get to hear about. I don't know. Quote, our balloons are basically giant plastic bags with some charcoal dust on the inside to make them dark, Bowman said. We build them using painter's plastic from the hardware store, shipping tape, and charcoal powder from pyrotechnic supply stores. When the sun shines on the dark balloons, the air inside heats up and becomes buoyant. Bowman explained that this passive solar power is enough to propel the balloons from the surface of the planet to the stratosphere. After launch, the balloons were tracked using GPS, something that the team had to do because balloons can, can often fly for hundreds of miles and may land in difficult-to-navigate regions of the planet. Yeah, and think about this. The planet is, what, two-thirds or three-fourths water? So what happens with this giant 20-foot balloon? You end up with, what, I don't know, a couple hundred square feet of painter plastic. It's heavy, thick plastic. Ends up in the ocean and gets swallowed by one of these magnificent whales or something. The The thing I don't like about this is that we can't turn on the news or the television or the radio or go online without being scolded and talked down to about the theory of global of global warming and our carbon footprint and we're eating too much meat and we're causing all these problems to the planet. But the very class of people that are telling us that and are doing these endless studies on global warming seem to have no concern for uh, animal and plant life, especially these large... Uh, majestic mammals that populate the ocean. You know, everything from uh, blue whales to killer whales to great white sharks to jellyfish. These things are all terribly and quantitatively impacted by plastic pollution. And it's a lot bigger problem, in my opinion at least, than any idea that the planet's getting warmer, which to me they've yet to prove. But here we go. We have these scientists and I understand that they're curious and they want to understand this stuff. But if you and I dropped a party balloon in the ocean off the coast of Florida, we'd be looking at a hefty fine. But these guys just send them up, and wherever they wherever they fall, well, that's where they fall. And then he goes on, he says, And as recent events have shown, scientific balloons can be mistaken for other objects, sometimes causing unintentional alarm. Well, they had to throw that, to throw that in there, didn't they? They're pushing the narrative. Now, we know that the object shot down over North Carolina was a balloon. It seems like it. It looked like it. They had pictures of it that were taken by people uh, from Wyoming down to North Carolina. Uh, one of these things. The, the U.S. says it's a spy balloon. Well, probably was. Uh, the Chinese just say, no, it's just a normal weather balloon because we're so concerned about the environment, which, of course, we know what great environmentalists we have running China. But as far as Lake Huron, the Yukon, and Alaska go, 
Those things have never been shown to be balloons, especially the two cases over the Yukon and, and uh, Alaska. We had the guy in Alaska that came out with the footage showing the helicopters escorting the uh, big cargo plane to the site up there where this thing was shot down at. It was so far out in the middle of nowhere, though. I mean, this is just, this is just bleak uh, ar uh, Arctic ice up there that they really couldn't uh, produce a balloon club president to say, oh, here I am with the Hillbilly Balloon Club, and that was our balloon. So that, 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 that object there, they really didn't get on it in time to produce this parallel narrative. And on top of that, we had people telling the truth right away. This thing was a cylinder-shaped object the size of a car or four-wheeler, and it didn't look like a balloon. There was a certain amount of chatter from the pilots that was, that was recorded on that. Uh, we never have seen the, seen the cockpit video. We've been told that that's uh, classified. We can't see it. Just like uh, the ingredients in a certain vaccine, I suppose. And beyond that, Yukon, same thing. It's, it was in an extremely remote area. The uh, search for this thing didn't last very long. Whatever it was, does seem like it was probably blown up. Same basic description. Uh, looked like a metallic object the size of a four-wheeler, maybe a small car. It wasn't described as a balloon. Someone said, well, it might have had cables hanging below it. We don't know. We haven't seen a picture. Now, the one there over Lake Huron, right away somebody came forward or they found someone and said, oh, well, that's our balloon club. And then we learned that that apparently anybody can just release these stupid things into the air uh, without any sort of oversight whatsoever. Now, you will go to prison for shining a laser light at an airplane in the sky, as you should, but you can release these stupid balloons all day long and cause a uh, hazard to air travel, and it seems to be no big deal. That's why I don't understand. They shot those balloons down over... Uh, they shot those objects down over Alaska... Uh, Yukon, Lake Huron, and North Carolina saying that they were some sort of threat to air security. But here we go. We have hundreds of balloons being released apparently every day or two, and no one seems to be concerned about the security of these things whatsoever. Now, I'll finish up here. It says, In addition to helping further investigate these mysterious stratospheric sounds, solar-powered balloons like these could be used to investigate mysteries much further from Earth. Such vehicles are currently being tested to discover if they could be partnered with a Venus orbiter to observe seismic and volcanic activity through its thick atmosphere. Robotic balloons could drift through the upper atmosphere of Earth's evil twin high above the hellishly hot and high-pressure surfaces, investigating its thick atmosphere in clouds of sulfuric acid. The team's research containing the detection of these Unidentified infrasound sources will be presented by Bowman on Thursday, May 11th, at the Acoustical Society of America being held in Chicago. Well, I don't think painter's plastic is going to survive for very long on Venus. But I thought it was interesting that this just got out here. They're not telling us much, but what we can tell from this is that uh, you've got someplace like Sandia Lab sitting up balloons, uh, apparently unabated, into the Etmer atmosphere and making them out of household items like painter's plastic. I mean, literally, what's to stop some uh, nut job from going to Walmart, picking up uh, a big roll of painter's plastic, making their own balloon, painting it black, feel, filling it up with maybe a little bit of helium or hot air, and lofting it? 
lofting it right into the flight path. You know, these. if you go on flightradar.com, you'll see these jets tend to take uh, <clears throat> predetermined, predetermined flight paths. So here we have another example. Of not only are we finding strange things in the atmosphere we can't explain, but we're just going up there willy-nilly without a care in the world about running into each other or something from another planet. Until next time, this is UFO Warning over and out. Thank <music> you.